Okay, guys, see, this is the first episode. I mean, I was thinking of which founder do I want to, you know, use as the first, you know, founder for this episode. And I could think of no, I mean, every founder is amazing and all of their stories are beautiful. But I want this to be the first, you know, the, the first intro into the season. And, you know, the kind of founders that we have put together for this season. His stories are amazing. I mean, what he's building is unique and impactful. This episode was filled with so much laughter. I mean, you will laugh a lot of times. There were just so many points, um, so many opportunities for us to laugh. It was very insightful. There was a masterclass at the end, <laughs> really good masterclass at the end. It was really enlightening. And I am super glad that I was able to find Ephium and bring him on the podcast to share his story. One of the things that I see with most founders, early stage founders, is that there's this fear that, oh, or would I I call it fear? But more or less like this note in their hearts that makes them feel like, oh, I don't think I have anything to share. Oh, I'm waiting till I have blown. No, your journey is powerful. Your journey is inspiring. There's so many people who want to get to where you are. Do you know what it means to get to a point where you're actually seeing progress or doing something with an idea or actually executing? You can actually share some insights, okay? So I was really excited that Ephraim, you know, got on this um, podcast uh, with me. I went to, you know, their location we, I mean, their former location. They moved to a new location in the city of Abuja. I went there, saw it, saw it for myself firsthand, um, got an experience with the products, currently using the product. Beautiful, beautiful. What he has done is beautiful. Anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop here so that you can actually get into the podcast and listen to his story. Hello everyone, I'm Cynthia Ichisom and welcome to Startup Stories with Cynthia. This is where we talk about the real, relatable, inspiring and exciting journey of startup founders. So, let's get straight into it. Alright guys, welcome to another episode of Startup Stories with Cynthia. It's been a long time coming. I don't want to give you guys the backstory, but just know that I'm happy that we're here today. And we're actually doing this right now. I have with me, I would even say a second time founder, but we'll get to the story, right? <laughs> but I have with me here, Ephium, the CEO and founder of Ekondo. <laughs> Hi, Ephium. Hi, Cynthia. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm great, man. I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> Enjoy my Tuesday body. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. So we're going to get into the story of a condo. Um, but I, I want us to start from the very beginning. Like okay. if you um, look back in time, right? Uh-huh. Would you say that you actually saw this coming? Like this entrepreneurship life coming? Like when you were really young? Hmm. <laughs> what did you really want to do with your life? Because I knew that what I wanted to do in my life, I don't want to talk about it. But <laughs> was that, was this what you saw when you thought of your future? Um, no, actually, I think I, entrepreneurship became a thing for me, or like when I said, hmm, this is something I'd like to do, maybe when I was already in uni, so let's say my third year, yeah, so that's when I knew that, oh, this entrepreneurship thing could be an actual thing, right, but when I was growing up, 
<laughs> I mean, everyone like just like everyone else, right? You go to school. If you're if you're good at math and stuff like that, you're a science student. If you're good at like reading and stuff like that, you're an art student. If you don't want to do math, mm-hmm. and if you're a science student, your options are medicine or engineering. So of course, like <laughs> I don't like blood, so I went with the easier, easiest option, engineering. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I couldn't like I could never have imagined that I would. Um, I mean, back then, but now when I look at it in hindsight, I'll say like it's been a long time coming. <laughs> <laughs> So at that time, what, what was your dream as a young child, like five years old, ten years old? Hmm. So one of my first, I mean, when I, when I was a kid, like really, really young, I know that I've gone through different career paths. One of them was that I want to be a pastor. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't know where that came from, but one of them was that I wanted, like, I, I remember me saying I wanted to be a pastor. And like, there was a time, like older people used to call me pastor because i said that right and i was i wasn't necessarily religious or anything like that but for some reason i chose that um then i also remember saying that i wanted to be a chief so i still have um aunties and uncles that call me chief whenever they see me whenever i go back home (laughs) and then so in terms of professional careers or real careers maybe the first (laughs) one was like aeronautic or like this fantasies that we had as kids but mm. um but by the time i got into like senior secondary i think it became to to be like an engineer like a civil engineer actually, actually an architect right but mm. my dad is an architect and uh, we are very similar right and people already think that we were very similar and i want to be like him so me i said okay i don't want to be like him so i will not do architecture i'll do the next best thing to architecture which was civil engineering <laughs> Yep, so I, <laughs> I ended up pursuing that, that career. Mm. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I have to say, those those dreams, pastor, chief. I mean, young children, they're thinking <laughs> of doctor, you know, lawyer, pastor, chief. But okay, no problem. So maybe, maybe we should talk about your upbringing. What was it like growing up in your family at that time? Your dad, your mom, any entrepreneurial influence? Like, what was it like um, growing hmm. up with them? Um, so for one, my, my dad is an architect, right? Um, and my mom is a nurse, right? So we, we grew up like in a, in a pretty small family, right? In Calabar, um, Cross River. Um, so I spent the most, the most part of my life. So I didn't, I didn't leave Calabar till I was like fully, fully till I was like maybe 16, right? So mm-hmm. my dad had this small bar at the backyard, at the back of the house rather and then my mom had like a, a pharmacy at the back of the house and as kids we would i mean like when you're back from school you're done with your homework and then it's like in the evening about around 6 p.m we we just naturally go out to help out at the shop in quotes all right so either my mom's shop or my dad's shop right so my mom so you could either help out at the pharmacy or help out at the bar right and I like I remember clearly that I would rather help out at the bar than help out at the pharmacy, <laughs> right? Because the pharmacy was not fun, man. But the bar was usually fun. Man. Like people come and they're drinking and they're having so much stories to tell. You're just like sitting at your corner and listening to drunk people just tell funny stories, right? <laughs> As a kid, I enjoyed that. But then because we were kids, that that didn't happen really often, right? Because I mean, you you don't want kids around like selling yeah. alcohol and stuff like that. So that didn't happen really often. So we spent more time, more time in the 
in the in the pharmacy, right? Um, and I think I I the pharmacy was fine, but it wasn't just as fun as the as the bar, right? The pharmacy had its own funny stories of people coming mm-hmm. to get random drugs and things like that. Um, but I, like I know that I enjoyed that experience, right? So really, really mm-hmm. early on, I enjoyed that experience. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, as it is, both parents were were entrepreneurs. Like they had something that they were doing. Yeah, right. I mean, I I would even, I mean, at the time we would we would not call it entrepreneurship. Right? We just thought like, my dad had a bar, my mom had a shop. <laughs> like, <laughs> I wasn't really aware of it being um, being entrepreneurship, but now I would say I would say it clearly like it was entrepreneurship. Hmm. Mm. And so now, the bar, fun fact, the bar is still running till now, but the pharmacy not anymore. But the bar is still running now, so call it twenty years ish. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> who, is, who is running it? So my dad still manages it, but last year I took some time off from work um, before I transitioned into a condo full time. I took some time, like a month, and I went back there to kind of renovate it and make it a bit more modern so brought a lot of nature into it i mean my dad already had a lot of plants there may i just overdid the planting thing <laughs> um i just and i i took that time to also spend time with them so my dad runs it um mm-hmm. fully because like he's retired he's been retired for, for for quite some time now and he's been mm-hmm. running it full time so mm-hmm. yeah and has expanded and the... it as well so <laughs> oh like expanded is like a new branch no, no, no. So same brand, okay, but just space. really bigger. Yeah. So the first place was just like a small shop, and then it became two shops, and then now it's like a bigger shop, um, an outdoor sitting area, a kitchen, like wow. and things like that. Yeah. So it's it's a really a cool ma- place. It's <laughs> a really massive business. So what happened to the pharmacy? Um, honestly, man, I like my mom. I think she just closed it or something. I, I really don't know what happened. Ah, I think I know. Um, I'm so. The memory I have now, I know that there was a time where fake drugs were a lot in circulation, mm. right? And she just, like, she just said, man, like, I don't want to be at risk because of this thing. It would be a lot for me to figure out where to get, like, good drugs and stuff like that. So she just decided, like, you know what, like, let me just take a pause from this. And then, and then she was also in know, so she, she didn't really have time at some point in her career and all that. So mm. she just, like, closed it, closed it off. Wow. That's like yeah. a big problem right there. I hope if founder is listening to that, like supply chain <laughs> can literally just close down. Man, I think uh, there's so I think we'll there's a there's a solution now now for, for that. I'm for not that. sure, but I've seen something advertised around um order your yeah. drugs online or something like that. So that was when I said I was really impressed. I was, man, why did you come earlier? <laughs> <laughs> <It's about time>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So now you you were in secondary school you had decided that you wanted to go into um civil engineering because you, you didn't want to how will i say this like you didn't want people to say i mean you're following your dad everywhere right <laughs> <laughs> but like that decision was it just from just being like oh i don't want to be like oh was there like another reason why you decided to still go for civil engineering uh so I think I chose civil engineering because it was the easiest engineering, to my knowledge, man, to be very honest. Um, mm. If you like the options were civil engineering, mechanical engineering, electrical, and things like that, but like all those other courses just seemed really hard. Mm. From a really young age, I used to follow my dad to sites, to building, to, to like construction sites, and things like that. So I think that already formed, I already had a pretty good, a pretty decent knowledge about what civil engineering entailed. Um, so 
and I just thought it was going to be the easiest way out, to be very honest. <laughs> and I, I took it. I really took it. I did. So my, my strong courses in, in secondary school are like math, physics, and technical drawing. And mm. those that skills I typically need in civil engineering. I couldn't I didn't do really well with, with chemistry and biology and things like that. So my mm. options were kind of limited. So <laughs> mm. yes, I, I went to civil engineering. Awesome. Awesome. So this is SS3. You're making mm-hmm. a decision to get into uni. I know that SS3 period, for those who are not like Nigerians, SS3 is like the final year mm-hmm. in the secondary school education. And it's that point where you decide which university and which course you want to do that would literally determine the rest of your life, right? Mm-hmm. So you had determined the course that you wanted to study. Uh, what about the school? What, what was going through your mind regarding like the school you're going to go to? So when, when I was trying to pick university to go to, I, I, I had already... Initially thought that I would go to um, FUTO, Federal University of Technology, Oweri, or FUTA, the one in Apure, like a, 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 one of those universities. But then something happened with my elder brother, and he he went to Unical first, right? By the end of his first semester, he had like a missing script or something like that. So along because of that, my dad had to remove him from there and send him to like a private school to Bells, right? So me, I, I thought, okay, if that happened to my brother, maybe it would happen to me as well. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so when I was at the big uni, um, I met my I met with my my dad, met with my brother as well, and just like they tried to help me figure it out. And my brother just said that, or my dad said that I can't I can't go to I wouldn't want me to go to a federal school like a um, a public school, right? So that he showed that my five years in my five years but me i was still thinking man i want to go to a public school because of the the cruise public schools basically <laughs> right um but that wasn't very very <laughs> that did not work out clearly um so my options were between covenant university and bells university my brother was in bells university but bells did not have a bells did not have civil engineering but um, covenant had civil engineering so uh, my first choice was that now definitely Covenant, um, Covenant University. But what happened was after the, the interview process for Covenant, right, the first list came out and I didn't get admission. So I already thought, man, my dreams of this engineering has been crushed. Looks like I'm going to go to Bells, right? And a few days later, Bells now gives me admission for electrical engineering. So I'm already thinking, ah, it's Bells I'm going to go to now. And Bells is like mm. it's the closest thing to a public school <laughs> when it comes to when it comes to private universities, right? So right I figured, man, we're going to go and Jaya in Bells. And then that's where we're about to pay for. But then I like, I visited Bells when I went to write Covenant um aptitude test, right? And when you get into Bells, man, Bells just looks like a very rugged place. Like red sand everywhere red buildings like it just looks very rocket <laughs> but then when you go to Covella, Covella like was a bit, a bit organized was more way way more organized way the, more the rules were tired <laughs> the students were kind of working were kind of working um decently basically right and everything just looked just looked more organized than bells right but i shall thought that this covenant is just it's not good vibes <laughs> bells is where the vibes is at <laughs> So, but then, like, so now when Bells gave me admission, I was ready to go and pay the, I was ready to go and pay the acceptance fee, like, in two days, right? And then the admission, the second list for Covenant comes out, and my name is on the second list, right? 
Now, before now, I had said to myself that since Covenant did not give me admission for civil engineering, or they didn't even give me admission at all, right? I would, I would just go to Bells. But if Covenant gives me admission, and in the second list they give me admission for civil engineering, then I would go to Covenant, right? So when the list came out, and the second list came out, they gave me admission for civil engineering, I now became confused because now I've already made up my mind to go and try in Bells. But now you're not telling me that ah, I, I might be going to Covenant too. So, we have this back and forth conversation with my brother and my dad, and we just ended up. And my brother just said, "Man, like you said, if they give you civil engineering, you go to Covenant. Oh yeah, I go to Covenant. I like I don't know why he did not want me to go to Bells." <laughs> Oops. <laughs> okay, guys, you know I have to interrupt you guys um, on this story, but it's gonna be really brief. I just want to talk to you about some of the things that I do outside the podcast. I have a newsletter that you can actually learn from it's a weekly newsletter for startup founders we break some tables because i realized that there's some tables that need to be you know broken so i use that opportunity to just write um some really interesting things about the ecosystem and also practical things for founders so make sure you getting on that to subscribe to it just go to the show notes and you can find the details there and also you can follow me across all social platforms the same name cynthia e chisum okay i can let you go now and continue with the story so at the end of the day you found yourself in covenant yeah. um um just to just to you know reiterate what fm is saying about the difference between covenant and bills like the school, they are actually not far from each other. Like on one straight road, maybe like five, ten minutes away, five, ten, fifteen minutes away from each other. Like yeah. in terms of distance, like on one side of the road and Covenant is on the other side of the road. <laughs> if there's no traffic. The, <laughs> like if there's no traffic. But the difference in the environment is crazy. I still remember when I went to Bell's University, I actually went there for like, uh, I think an event or something. I was like, oh my God, what in the world is this? Is this a private university? <laughs> that was like the first, that was the first um, thing that came to mind. Um, and so Covenant is a well-organized and well-structured university, um, as you can already um, hear. But, but in terms of <laughs> when he's talking about Jai, for those who are not Nigerian, Jai means like an opportunity to be free. Covenant is not that place where you can easily <laughs> just go out, right? Without following certain instructions as compared to Bells. And that's why he said it's close to public university. I really <laughs> wanted to make that clear because now he's going to talk about his, his experience in, in CU <laughs> and, and how he impacted life. I think it's really important to point it out. All yeah. right, cool. So, thank so thank you for actually explaining it because like, I think I forgot that you have listeners all around Nigeria. So <laughs> I will try to be more specific. <laughs> <laughs> So, so that's right. That's right. So now, you're in um, Covenant University and mm-hmm. about to do civil engineering, the course that you actually want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about being like in the third year, started thinking about entrepreneurship. What happened mm-hmm. in, like the first, the third year? Like, what was going on with you in school? Hmm. Okay. So, so maybe I did mention earlier, right, when mm-hmm. I was describing my time in secondary school. So I think I'm. I'm someone that's very proactive about solving problems, right? Or if I'm able to solve a problem for myself, then I'll try to solve it for more people, right? And then maybe make make some money doing that, right? So 
when I was in secondary school, I, I had done a couple of businesses, just like selling stuff, selling gala, selling some things, right, in the hostel, right? Um, but then <clears throat> when I got to uni in my first year, as freshers, freshers were, you, you see, once you see a fresher, you know a fresher because of the way they dress. Yeah. <laughs> they would have these weird ass, um, these weird, like, check shirts. They would have these striped shirts and wear with striped ties. Like, their dresses was always very, very funny. And they would carry these big backpacks. Once you just see a fresher, you know the person is a fresher, right? So, when I got to in, in, in 100 level, I was a fresher. So, I dressed like a fresher. <laughs> <laughs> and my peers as well, right? We all dressed like freshers. But... When you're in the system for long enough, let's say a month, you start to realize that, hmm, they are picking on me or like people can actually single me out because of the way I dress, right? So this is like, that's an, an easy way to know a fresher. But then you don't want people to really know you're a fresher now, so you don't have to find a way to blend in with the, with the dress code there. So we started, we started um, buying shirts, right? So, so after our first semester, we went home. And then when, when I got home, I figured that I need to, change my wardrobe basically so i need to get more shirts more plain shirts white shirts and things like that and then i went to this market in calabar and like in the market i saw this bunch of white shirts just hanging and they were starched right and if you look at the video cover that boys like mm. like we always had our starch shirts on so <laughs> i could already imagine like cover that boys on those shirts you get so we so i decided that you know what i'm going to buy some of these shirts and then when I went to buy the shirt, the prices were really, really cheap. Mm-hmm. So I figured, you know what, let me send a picture to to my friends and ask them if they would like to get the shirt. Right? So I sent them pictures. I didn't tell them the price. I just sent them in. Like, I just saw the shirt. So what do you guys think? And everybody was like, man, I'm all, I beg, help me buy four. Help me buy 10. Help me buy this one. Help me buy that one. Right. And then they now asked me how much. Ah, <laughs> that was where the first cocoa came in. So the, the price then was like maybe 500 naira for the shirt if I was buying it, right? But I told them, man, that the shirt is 2,000 naira. Like, that's the selling price, right? So, and then they agreed. So what I did was I, I, I bought the shirts, took them back home, um, gave it to my dress cleaner. I, got, I went to the market, got some fancy nylons and gave it to him. So what he did was iron them and put them in, like, make them look like really really good shirts basically right mm. and i took them back to school and i said and i started selling them i said i actually did not sell them so people had paid for their mm. shirts so i just took them back to school and i gave it to them this was my second semester in 100 level and then by 200 level i i realized that so i did that for a while but then i got tired of it because it wasn't really i was just buying and selling and i didn't really enjoy it to be honest um mm. but then i realized that um people like if you're dressed if you're dressed in corporate right you can't be carrying backpacks it doesn't really look cool. it doesn't really look cool right mm. so i had this friend that was in, in like a like 400 level or something and he had these really really nice man purses so like classic classic man purses and i borrowed it from him one time and when i took it to the hostel like my friends were asking me about the post like where did i get the post from um <clears throat> And I asked the person, the person has more and things like that. So I got back to him and I told him, bro, these your purses are really, really good. People are really interested in them. Where did you get them from? And luckily for me, he he stays in Calabar as well. So he just told me that he got it in Calabar. That he can take me to the place when we when we're on holidays. And and then when we got when we got back home, he took me to the market. I saw a, a bunch of these purses and I got some of them and took them back to school. When I got back to school, 
um, <clears throat> when I go back to school, I go back to school with a black one and a brown one for myself, right? So I didn't really buy to sell. I just took some for myself. And then what would happen is when like when it's seven o'clock in the morning or something, right? A friend of like one of my friends, any any of them would come in and ask me, "Guy, yeah, what are you wearing today? Black shoe or brown shoe?" If you say black, if I say black shoe, they'll take my brown purse. If I say brown shoe, <laughs> they'll take my black purse, right? And that kept happening repeatedly and repeatedly. Um, and then I I just decided to ask more of them and say, "Yo, like I have these purses. What would you pay for it?" All right. Mm. And I started getting feedback from a lot of them. And they were really mentioning cool prices. Prices that were like double what I bought them for. So mm. I figured that, you know what, maybe this could be a business. But because I was against, not against, but because I was tired of buying and selling, I decided mm. that I wanted to actually design my own purses and produce mm. them. But I had zero, like, zero knowledge. Zero knowledge, zero... But I had zero knowledge, zero network in Lagos to to build that out, basically. Um, so, but I, I really did not stop, man. I just kept designing and designing and designing without even knowing how to produce them. But along the line, um, I reached out to my cousin because she lived in Lagos, and I told her that this is so. This is like end of two hundred, end of my second year, right? Um, so I reached out to my cousin and I told her this is what I'm working on, and I'm really looking for someone to help me manufacture. And she says, oh, like she doesn't need back, a bag maker, but she has a friend that makes shoes. Um, his name was Nelson. Like, I can't, I can't forget that guy because it was very, very, it was very, very instrumental to, to mm. me launching my brand, right? So I reach out to Nelson and I tell him what I'm trying to do. And he says, okay, you know what? When you're on holidays, come to Lagos um, and hit me up. Let's, let's meet up. So I, I get to, so it's holiday, I get to Lagos, I hit him up. And then we meet at Ikeja City Mall. Um, KFC, I think yeah, it was KFC. Um, and we meet there, and I explain everything to him. And the guy is really, really like encouraging me and telling me, "Man, like these are really cool designs. I think you, I think they'd be nice to sell." And then he asked me, "What would the name, what would the name of my business be?" Yeah. <laughs> and my my now I my friends say I'm very terrible at naming things, but I still don't believe them. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> I don't believe that my track record has been the greatest. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, bro, I want to name it Classic Men or like really, really funny names. <laughs> and he said, bro, you don't have to rush this thing now. You know, just go home and think about it and then let me know what you, what, what you come up with. All right. And then I get home and we have we have a family name that was like my parents have been using for business for a very long time. And the name is Edis, E-D-I-S. And it comes from the first two letters of my mom's name, Edak, and my and the first two letters of my dad's name, Isu. Mm-hmm. So I sent it to him and said, Man, this is the name I'm thinking. And he asked me, and he asked me, like, what does the name mean? And I told him what he meant. He said, Man, this is a really cool name. It would work. And mm-hmm. Edis was born literally, man. Like wow. Edis was born. He he helped me set up the entire thing, followed up with the with the person that made the bags and Man, like that was someone that was really, really kind. Like he was really, really, really kind to me. Um, and I think I've enjoyed that kindness like along throughout my career. Uh, but his was very, very instrumental to to actually to where I am today, to be very honest. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. And that was that was when you said that was the beginning of what 
Edis was, right? Yeah, so that was the beginning of my brand, my first brand, right? I had done right. a couple businesses before, but nothing nothing significant. The other ones are like hobbies, but this was the first time I was saying, hey, man, like, I want to actually build this into a company, All right? And it really shaped my thinking of how to build businesses, yeah. Wow. And, and <laughs> just to put this in here, I remember mm-hmm. the first time I met Ephraim. Um, <laughs> I have to talk about it because it was such a very interesting... I still remember it, like, so vividly. <laughs> so at that time, I was building my startup as well um, on campus. And I remember um, speaking to Shekun about it, and we are having, like, conversations. Mm-hmm. And so I was at the EDS building. So Covenant University invested a lot into entrepreneurship, right, and startup yep. support right a whole lot so that there was a whole building dedicated to it right so <laughs> that place was like my second home apart from my my hostel and chapel right so i would walk i would always go there speak with you know have conversations with the eds director at that time mr steven mm. right and i was yeah. in the office of mr dam larry mr dam larry's office and i was interacting with um Shego. and Shego says oh I, I would love you to meet um Ephium, he's the he's building this company. Name of the company is Edis. Really beautiful leather bags. And by the way, I was building a startup in the leather industry, so it just yep. makes sense for that connection <laughs> to happen, right? So um, we had introduction, and I remember holding onto the bag, and it was such a really good bag. Like it was good. <laughs> like it's hard for you to find a I because because I'm in the leather space, so I know when something is like poor, like poorly done. I mean, something is like really, really well done because there's that attention to detail, especially with the stitching, the leather in itself, the structure of the bag. It was good. I was like, God, if I have money, because well, I, I, I wasn't the richest person in the world. <laughs> but, I, <knew> <laughs> students, I was like, if I had money, I would have bought this bag because it's just a perfect bag for me. So you you were already making these really, really good bags. So you had this guy who was producing for you in Lagos, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who sent down um, the bags to you. Mm-hmm. How how long was that relationship for? Um, um, was Nelson always in the picture or did something happen like afterwards? So so Nelson was in the picture at the very, really early stages. So let's say, let's say the first um, three months, right? But then after the first three months, I decided that I said that I would like to meet the person making the bags, right? And I think also life got really busy for him because, I mean, he had his own business he was running. He was making shoes. And I think he had a job as well. Um, but he had a business running already. So he, so we agreed that, okay, he, he just connects me directly to the guy. So he took me to the guy, connected me to the guy. But then what I realized was when I started talking to the guy directly, the guy was giving me the same price that Nelson was giving me, like exactly the same. I think at the time I was making for two k or something or one five. I can't remember. Wow. So let's 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 say two k, right? The guy told me the bags were like to make the bags were still two k, and I was like, wait, wait, wait. So I thought Nelson would make the bags for like maybe say one five, and then he would like, mm. and then he like sell it to me for two thousand or something. But he was selling at the exact same price. Man, I was I was really impressed. Like I started rethinking my own decisions in life. Like, am I be, what am I be doing, right? Um, so he <clears throat> he made that connection, and then at the end of uh, my third year, I I came across so towards the end of thirty, I came across this brand in Lagos called Hesse Designs, right? That made Ankara bags and had made Ankara shoes. She was really really early in the game, honestly. Um, at that time, those these things were not. Um, 
I think they were just picking up, right? So they were, they were, they were, it was still cool to wear Ankara sneakers. I don't know if it's still cool now, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it was still cool there to have those to have Ankara sneakers. So she had this course on making bags and shoes, right? And what I did was I did a little research into the company and a little research into the founder of the company. Her name was Essie. And like we became really great friends. I think we're still friends now. Um, and I made the research into her as a person. And I realized that she had won so many awards. Like she won Richard Branson's award one time for bars and things like that. And it was very impressive. I just thought, so that was my first um, opening to the fact that this could actually be a, like there's something like entrepreneurship, right? And it could be a career path. So I reached out to her to register for the course, right? But my real intention for registering for the course wasn't necessarily to learn how to make bags, right? I just needed to understand the basics of how to make the bags, right, and shoes. But what I wanted to learn properly was the business of bag making, right? The business of like shoe making, the business of of fashion, basically, right? And I reached out to her and said, like, I want to come and take the course. And she said, okay, cool, you can come to the to the workshop when you're on holidays and blah 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 blah. So I get there to, I get there <clears throat> during holidays and I and I registered for the bag making course. Now I didn't have the money to pay for it entirely, but I paid I think 70% of the cost and I told her balance up 30%. Now this course is supposed to be for for six weeks, right? Um at the end of the, so three weeks for bags, three weeks for shoes. So at the end of the third week that we're done making bags. I was, I was more interested in bags. So I actually learned how to make bags, right? How to sew and how to how to cut and things like that. But at the end of the three weeks, I was supposed to start making shoes, like the shoe classes, right? But the three weeks I was making bags, we got and the founder of the company got really close. Like she would should we would like should teach me stuff about the business, right? Um about the business of I mean because I was also a very curious person. So me, I would always ask questions. I would be I would just randomly leave the class and go and meet her to ask a question that was on my mind, right? So mm. by the time the bag making was bag making class was done, she we started just like I said, dodging this, the shoe making class and just hanging out with her in her office and just doing whatever needed to be done and just talking about how to move the business forward. So we talk about like influencer marketing, talk about and I think this was still early, early in influencer marketing. So this is like not early, early, but early enough really because it's like 2015 <laughs> and she's teaching me about like influencer marketing facebook ads and like things like that right so after this the fourth i think the fifth week here of the training i was supposed to pay the balance so after the sixth week i was supposed to pay the balance and like end class so i told her that um i'm like i'm leaving I'm leaving to go back to Calabar to see my parents and enjoy the rest of my holidays there. And she's like, why am I going? I, said, ah, I shouldn't go. Like, is it because, like, is it because, um, like, is it that I want to pay the balance so that I'll leave or what? I said, no, no, like, I just want to go. She said, okay, you know what? Don't pay the balance, right? Just keep coming. Just keep coming. <laughs> <laughs> so that's really just what happened. So I stopped paying the balance. I, I didn't pay the balance anymore. I kept going to work and just engaging with her, engaging with her. And I, it became really fun, man, because we we're solving problems. We did really fun projects. Um, she was making bags for companies, like branded bags for companies. I had some funny experience in that, like in that period of being in Lagos. One time, I got arrested by oh? kick against immigration. Just still in this process of <laughs> learning to make bags. Why? Why did they arrest you? <laughs> so I mean, I was due to Lagos, right? So I crossed 
the road, this Mushino Shodi Express, right? So I crossed the road, right? But like we're a bunch of people that crossed the road. But clearly I looked like the most vulnerable person. So they just came and grabbed me. And the guy just grabbed me. I kept saying, I did not know, I did not know. But guys would never hear it, man. They like they really, really harassed me and threw me into this like container with a bunch of other guys. We we're like 15 squeezed. Man, it was it was a very <laughs> Ah. It was a, it was a very ugly experience, but I'm not gonna lie. Um, the only thing that saved me from that experience was because I looked young and I had my. So I went to Navy, so I still had my Navy ID card. So I was like, ah, I beg go. I'm a Navy student, so my officers will fire me. <laughs> <laughs> man, it was it was it was an ugly it was an ugly experience. But yeah. So this was still me trying to learn how to make bags, right? This one, this was really early into my time in Lagos. So let's say maybe like my my second week or something this was when this was happening um and i never told anybody this story until like i was about to leave lagos that's why i started telling her and she was like when you tell me since blah 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 <laughs> but, wow. but i was it was it was ugly man um so i did that um then i, I got back to school for my fourth year um and at that point i already i already started thinking about man do i really want to do this engineering this bag making thing i did was a lot more fun. I enjoyed it more than my engineering work. Right. So that question started coming up my fourth year. Yeah. Hello founders, we have exciting news for you. GIZ on behalf of the German Federal Ministry of Economic Cooperation and Development has launched the Develop Ventures program a funding scheme for startups in Nigeria. The program supports the growth phase of innovative Nigerian small and growing businesses that have the potential to generate a measurable positive social and environmental impact alongside financial returns. This program's implementation is supported by Visifoe and Ventures Park right here in Nigeria. You can join the info session on Zoom on the 23rd of June 2023 by registering at bit.ly forward slash develop pp june session to get first-hand insight ask questions and discover how develop program can follow your entrepreneurial journey and if you would like to go ahead with the application kindly visit oap.developpp.de to apply let's create a future together All right, so so now this engineering stuff was wasn't really looking like it, and you're already in your fourth year. Fourth year, mm-hmm. year you normally would do IT. Yep. Right. So, did you use your IT time to do more of the bag making, or you did both? <laughs> Don't let my dad hear you. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, in my fourth year. I I decided to, which was I don't want to say mistake, but it was. It was it was something that, I mean, was was a good idea, to be very honest. So I decided to do my IT in Calabar instead of doing it in Lagos, right? I mean, you wouldn't blame me, considering the experience I had the last time I walked in Lagos. <laughs> I was like, nah, man, I, I walked this off, man. Let me just go stay with my parents. So I went to Calabar to do my IT to work in, a, in an engineering consulting firm, right? And I was going to work, but at some point, it became redundant, honestly. Like, mm-hmm. it looked like I was going to work and I was doing the same thing over and over and over again. So it wasn't interesting. But then I decided to use that time to also do more research and, and product development for my bags, right? Mm-hmm. So at that point, I started. My, my dad did not know all this, like all this ones I'll talk about. And <laughs> <laughs> when he knew about my bag business, maybe that was like my fourth year, 
he said he used to say one thing to me when I whenever I'm training, he'd be like, Eh, this is cool, but don't forget your engineering. And I'm just <laughs> like, Man, <laughs> man, I'm glad he doesn't say that anymore. Uh, but there used to be this is cool, I agree, it's fine, but don't forget your engineering. So I didn't tell him I was doing this research and development thing. So I'd say I'm going to work when I go to the office, I'll, I'll stay maybe like nine to twelve. Once it's twelve o'clock, I'll leave the office, go to my to a bag maker space, and I'll be researching how to make so I, I wanted to start making knapsacks, right? So these drawstring bags, but the bag, but the hands were adjustable, so it could be longer, it could be shorter, which was, I don't think it was common at that time. It, was, it didn't even exist. Like, you wouldn't find it regularly mm. in the market. So I started doing that research with the bag maker. Um, and I just, man, I just fashioned the engineering. At some point, I didn't go to work for like a month and nobody looked for me. I just said, ah, this people didn't love me. Like, they didn't even love me because what? Nobody will call me to say how far, how you doing. They just were quiet. So at that point, I just said, okay, this engineering is people I know people have love here. <laughs> yeah, so um I paid my attention during my IT, I paid my attention to to the bad side of things. Um oh. yeah. So so that one month that you were off um the office, you were at that bag maker's shop just Yeah, so either stuff. the bag maker's shop or or like trying to sell the bags I already had in Calabar or just or just really not going to work man just stayed out just stayed out <laughs> but I, I did, like, every, every time I went to work I I didn't feel like I was at some point I didn't feel like I was learning anything new right mm-hmm. like my the people I worked with were really nice people right the my line manager was my namesake so we were really cool right so but it wasn't fulfilling honestly like it, it just wasn't fulfilling Wow. And engineering, and you know, engineering, especially if you're on site, right? Engineering language and engineering culture isn't the isn't the greatest. It's not really. It's also really not the kindest. It's not the. It's just not the, mm-hmm. like you'd, you'd have people shouting. I mean, because you have because you're working artisans, you have people shouting a lot, mm. and people cursing, and people just like, ah, man, it, it wasn't for me. Wow. <laughs> it wasn't for me. So I, I spent more time in the backside or just really just chilling. <laughs> Wow, wow. That's crazy. So the part where you say you, you tried selling, selling to who in Calabar? Yeah, so I decided that there were sh- there were stores that had that were selling stuff to women, right? So I started making Ankara bags. Nobody was making Ankara bags in Calabar. So I started making Ankara bags and selling it to the stores. Do you know that today those ba- I don't need those bags that still in those stores. That woman like she never paid me any money for it. <laughs> For real, like you have three bags to sell. Till today, man, like those, I, like the bag is supposed to be in our store, and then she sells, she gives me commission or something. So, mm-hmm. and because because I wasn't, I was I was moving up and down, up and down. I really couldn't keep track of it, right? And then at some mm-hmm. point, like it just, I think she moved as well, and it just became messy. And I just mm-hmm. left the bag, man. I really just left the bag. So today, was she the only one? Was she the only one you were selling it to? So it was her, and then I would go for pop up events. So people had like trade fairs and things like yeah. that. I would go for wow. sports, stuff like that. Um, but Calabar market wasn't the wasn't the greatest, to be honest. Most of the people that bought in Calabar were usually either my friends or people that didn't live in Calabar but were in Calabar for a while. Um, mm. That's the couple I sold to, but the market wasn't it wasn't the, the friendliest. How much were you selling one for, and how much do you think you made that period? Um. Not a lot of money, to be honest. Um, so the products I had were worth maybe like 60K, right? Um, mm. And then what I actually sold was maybe worth like 
maybe like 10k worth of products so let's say the bars were 3k or something like that 3k or 3k i can't really remember um but let's say around 10k but see um i took my cousin to go and write attitude tests in cu right and Mm. man this was like pure serendipity Mm. the night we arrived in school so his exam was the next day the night we arrived in school Dr. Steven hits me up. That's the, interpre- the CEDS guy, the Center for Entrepreneurship. Yeah. yeah. He hits me up and says, where are you? No, no, no. Sorry. Shegun hits me up no, and says, yo, Dr. Steven is looking for us. Where are you? And I said, no more. I just entered school this night, this night too. He's like, for real? I'm like, bro, <laughs> I don't know, but I'm in school. And he says, no more. He says, we should come to his office by 10 p.m. I'm like, bro, 10 p.m. <laughs> Like, are we politicians? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we go to meet him by 10 p.m. And it's like, they're having a program, the CDS. They're having like a workshop or something in okay. CDS. And they're to give out briefcases to the attendees. Ooh. And the program was in like two weeks that he wants us to make the briefcases. Now, and, we, and I go, okay, sure, no problem. Yeah, I'm thinking, okay, maybe 10, 20. And he said, I'm asking <laughs> how many. And my man said, I think 200 or 100. What? I think it was 200. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> First of all, the guy that was making bags for me at the time, his name was Chidi. I'm like, ah, Chidi cannot make 200 bags. Yeah, I know Chidi. He's going to disappoint us. Like, so I, it was already not an option for me. But I did not say anything. I just said 200 bags in two weeks. Oh, okay. Uh, that's a small number. We can, we can run it. <laughs> With absolutely no idea how to run it. But one thing about me is, if I say we'll, we'll run it, don't worry. We'll run it. <laughs> so we took the job. They paid us some deposit that night. We went back to, to the hostel, Shagun and I. And we just started calling people. Like, this was like maybe 11 p.m. We just started calling people. Yeah, so we get to school in the night, like 10, like 7 p.m., 8 p.m. And Shagun calls me right so shagun was my business partner from like let's say 500 level or 400 mm. sorry 400 level ish we like he, he joined me on, in eddies and was helping me um in the company so he calls me and says bro um dr steven wants to see us in his office so like where are you All right and now like he didn't even know i was not in calabar i think he just called me to say dr steven wants to wants me to come to his office right man i told him that ah, bro I'm in Lagos like this. Like, I'm even in school at this point. And he just said, oh, but like, nice. Let's let's go and see him. Right? And I asked him what time. He said, Dr. Steven should come by 10 p.m. I was like, bro, 10 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> For context, you know, they close the hostel by 9 p.m. Right? <laughs> so I'm already like, bro, 10 p.m. Like, are we politicians? Why are we having a meeting by 10 p.m.? <laughs> and he says, oh, but like, that's what he said, though. So we get there at 10 p.m. and Dr. Steven starts saying that they have this conference for people, for entrepreneurs that are coming that he'd like us to make bags for the conference, right? Um, and I and we're like, and we're like, sure, no problem. So I'm thinking maybe 10, 20, 30 bags max, right? Because the conference was in two weeks. Mm. <laughs> and then we asked him how many bags, and he said 200 bags. And in my head, I'm like, what? 200 bags <laughs> in two weeks? Ah. So, first of all, I already know that the person that was making bags for me at the time, Chidi, I knew he would not be able. Like, That's the one in Calabar? 
Oh, no, no, the one in the one in Lagos, right? The yeah. one that Nelson introduced me to. So, yeah. and he has been the one making my bags. Like, my bags, I, I never used to make like large quantities. So I make maybe 10, 15. And it would mm. take Chidi like a month to give me those bags. Like, mm. I'll be begging him, say, I beg. <laughs> right? So, I already do that. If I'm taking this job, Chidi cannot be the person on my mind to take this <laughs> job, right? So, but I said, ah, 200 bags, okay. Uh, that's that's doable. Two weeks, nah, doable. So at this point, we have no plan. We have we don't know anybody that was going to do this bag. But why? We'll run it. So it's not a problem. Um so I I so we leave we leave the we leave the office, go back to the hostel, and we just start calling people. Like we start calling everybody that we knew in our network. There's a woman that that used to make bags for us in CDS that we are kind of um um, put through how to make bags for us, right? But we we knew that she would not like she she would also not be able to make like two hundred bags. You need a factory to deliver yeah. this thing. So I started reaching out to people, reaching out to people I had worked with before, and one of one of the people I worked with before that I think had I'd gotten material. So he used to supply me with material, so leather, and I reached out to him and said, "Man, um, I have this wallow." Yeah, so the guy, so the guy got a number for us and said we should go and meet him, meet the person in the morning. And so this morning now, I was supposed to take my cousin to the center for the aptitude test, right? So I just took him there very early in the morning, like six a.m. and dropped him there. I just told him, bro, figure yourself out. I call me <laughs> when you're done. I need to go out. I need to get to Lagos. So Chegun and I went to Lagos and met with this this bag maker. And when we got to the guy's place. And he, and we met the guy. We just knew that ah, this guy, this guy will deliver this thing for us. Yeah. <laughs> like, once we entered his office, he had a lot of bags. Like, so clearly, so like in, in, in the bag, in bag making, in the bag making world, right? You can either make like souvenirs and things like that. You can make direct to consumers. So just like what I was doing before, right? Mm-hmm. So he was focused on making souvenirs. So he was he had, he had a lot of souvenirs around. Mm-hmm. The man we just told him what we wanted to do. He said, okay, no, let's follow him. So he took us to his factory. As he just opened his factory like this, I just looked at Shaka and said, ah, this guy, this guy around the sea for us. <laughs> he had like 10 people there, sewing machines. He had cutting machines. Like he had a factory. I was wow. like, thank you, God. Because, I mean, I, I, I really did not know how we are going to run it, right? So mm. he said, okay. So we told him we needed it on, I think on, on like on a Saturday or something. No, on, mm. so we, we didn't need it on a Monday. He said, okay, no, Wahala. Like, let's go and pick it up on Sunday morning. I said, eh? Ah. <laughs> like, wow. This is what we talk. This is what we talk about efficiency. <laughs> so I left, came back to meeting for a sample. We got the sample, took it to school, got feedback, came back and gave it to him. Really nice guy, like very, very open to like um changes and things like that. So it was really nice working with him. And on Sunday morning, he called me. He was the only one calling me, telling me, ah. The bags are ready. Like he wants to go to church. But that, what should he do? I told him to wait for me, please. I got there, picked up the bags. We took the bags to, to 200 school. Two hundred bags. Two hundred bags. In like, how many days? Please? In two weeks. Like, <laughs> so he so he sold the bags, and the bags were engraved. So we had to engrave the bags. So we engraved on the bags. Everything and everything was was up standard. Like he 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 made the bags packed and and packaged them in nylon. She did this to pack in my bags with nylons. She didn't give my bags with Ghana must go. <laughs> like, 
if they're packing, like I was so proud to pick up the bands, right? Because we had I, I already told Shagun, bro, he's like, we'll buy Galabos too as I'm going to go pick up his bands. So I'll put on the Galabos go and the bag. But when we got there, he already put each of them in nylon, like white transfer in nylon. So they're really, really pretty. Wow. Man, we took it to school, delivered it to CD. Like I cannot forget Sunday morning. We were in school by like 11 a.m. They gave us wow. our money, our balance in cash. <laughs> Jeez, wait, how much, how much was everything? Huh. So two hundred, but I think the I think we sold the bags for like four four k or three three k. I'm trying to remember, but I think everything was like everything was like six hundred k. Yeah, maybe six hundred around around that price. Like how much? How much did like, you spend in production? Like how much did you give the guys? Bah, we paid maybe like maybe like three sixty. Maybe like three sixty. So we made it. We made a profit of like. Imagine. Yeah, we made, a, we made a good profit. We made a good profit. Like I, I cannot forget. Like I think they, they didn't pay us all the balance at once. Yeah, they didn't yeah, pay us yeah, all the balance at yeah, once. They just yeah. paid us some balance when we dropped it in cash. Yeah. And then when I got home, I remember that I was in Calabar lying out of my bed when the last <laughs> trench of payments came and it was eighty k. I cannot forget. Like as the alert just entered my phone. I just, I just stood up and went outside. Like I just like, ah. I, I, all you had to do was just connect both of them together. Like you didn't have. Oh my god, that's crazy. Mm. so. That's crazy. It was really good. It was, it was anyway, really, no. really good. I'm having, I'm having this industry too much. But <clears throat> so go ahead, yes, please. <laughs> um. So so that so that experience happened, and I thought, man, like I've worked in engineering, I've never received this amount of money. <laughs> Like, I do, you get imagine a kid like you work to the engineering though, like engineering is where you say you want to go to, but you've never seen like I've I've never had an opportunity where and let me give you let me give you some context, right? During my IT, we're renovating a hotel, one of the one of the oldest hotels in Calabar. We're renovating it into like a three-story building. So it was a big contract, right? Mm-hmm. We're also building a house for somebody, right? So and I was attached to those two projects. And throughout my lifetime in those projects. I did not see half of this money. Or even like even mm. cut out this money. So mm. I tell me now, if it was you now, we used to be doing engineering. You think about it. <laughs> think about it now. So so what I did was actually with that money, and I saw that the craftsmanship of Uche was by far better. He had mm. he was more responsible yeah. than Chidi. And before to the the main another main reason why I stopped using Chidi was because when I was in Calabar, there was straight fair in CU. So I had paid Chidi some money to make about 30 bags for me. And then mm-hmm. Shegun would pick up the bags and sell during the trade fair. Do you know that you today? I have not seen Chidi for that for those. I've not seen those bags. I've not gotten a refund. I have not like nothing. Are he just sure? ghosted. He like he literally just ghosted us. Like he stopped picking the calls. He stopped picking calls. Shegun went to his I was in Calabar, so I couldn't go. So I sent his address yeah. to Shegun. Shegun went there. He saw him once. The second time, he didn't see him again. Like, when the, the third time, he didn't see him again. Like, he, the guy just lost. <laughs> like, wow. That's, that's crazy. This was, like, this was, like, my last... And I, and I paid him with my last savings. Like, the last money I had, I didn't oh. pay. Because I was like, okay, we make 30 bucks. We sell a trade fair. But as a bad... To make the 30 bucks, like, 60k or something. But as a bad, we'll make... would sell the bags and make... make like, our margins are usually really good. So, make maybe, like, 150k-ish. Yeah. And then we can settle down, right? So... He ghosted us. So when we got this contract, I knew that Chidi was an option. So after the money from the from the contract came, I reached out. I started designing backpacks, 
right? But they were leather backpacks and then they were suede. It's like it was suede inside. So when you open the bag, man, if you touch the, the internal part of the bag, you feel so good. Um, but to make those bags, we needed to mass produce them. And guess who had a factory now? Who knew a factory now? Us. <laughs> <laughs> so it was so easy. I just reached out to Mr. Oche and said, this is what we want to do. Um, can we make a sample first? He said, okay, cool. Let's make a sample and see how it looks. And he was really, he was always willing to try new stuff. So he's like, hmm, yeah. this looks good here, but what if we did it this way and things like mm-hmm. that? Yeah. And we decided to make our first set of, of backpacks. I think about 50, I think 50 backpacks. Mm-hmm. Um, we made the backpack for three, five-ish or so. Yeah. And then selling price was like 10K. If you wow. miss me on a good day, I'll give you for 8K. If you yeah. miss me on a day where like, we don't have money, I'll sell it for 6K. <laughs> <laughs> but but oh, the magic I would ensure that we had like we had some profits whenever we sold it. Um and yeah, like the the backpack were like the best selling products, man. People that was the first time I was actually selling products out of school officially. Oh, like people would reach out from Lagos, people would reach out from I so I, I think as people sent their their families that were in Lagos to get the bag as they because they were going back to the UK, they should take the bags with them and things like that. So the backpacks were really, really good. Um, and we did some marketing with it, did some promo with it and stuff like that. It, it was it was an interesting um, product. Wow. So now I'm curious, mm-hmm. what happened? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you had all this progress going on. Mm-hmm. After school, what mm-hmm. was on your mind? I was, even, I was even wondering why the person that you were working with before was not like an option in your head at that time. Was it because she was more focused on Ankara bags? Or... Yes, yeah, so she didn't have a large factory. Okay. Yeah, so she didn't have a large factory. And if I'd given it to her, she would also outsource it. So that would kind of eat into the margin. Yeah. Right? So, and the, I think the job was, me, it was like, it was a margin job. We have to squeeze like, <laughs> every single margin, every single margin out of it, like every single thing. So I really couldn't um, um, give it to her. And I think the person I, I, I used to buy leather from, was her connect as well so it was it was pretty much through her that i got to this person that, that manufactured for us but oh. just not directly through her okay indirectly yeah. indirectly yeah. yeah indirectly through her okay. yeah. all right so so then <laughs> now all this is happening in school i mean i'm sure you're already thinking big for this brand how big were you thinking hmm. <laughs> for like eddies so at at some point at 50 i decided that Man, I want this thing to be more than bad, right? I'm I'm very, I'm really, really big on customization. So yeah. I thought, man, it would be cool if you could design these bags on your website and we manufacture it and send them to you. Right. Mm. That's how big I thought it was gonna be. I thought, man, like if we do this, people from around the world would just be um designing their bags and Eddie's would just be sending it to them. Right. Yeah. Um so that, that was my dream. I really thought Eddie's was the way I was gonna go. Um but then, that that didn't really go as planned. <laughs> that didn't really go as planned, basically. Yeah. So, I, after uni, I I also had this. So when when we were uni, like in our final year, like last semester, um, CU used to do this career fair thing that would bring people from different industries to come and speak mm-hmm. to you, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes they bring people from your own industry, right? So. Before now, they had brought people, they had brought civil engineers to come and speak to civil engineering students about the the um, prospects of an engineer, things like that. But I, 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 like, 
where those people were speaking, I never saw myself in their shoes. Like I never for one day said, hmm, I like to be like this guy. Hmm, this sounds interesting. Never. <laughs> I used to think, man, this people are suffering, you know, like <laughs> so um but but in my last semester they did this McKinsey. McKinsey came to school. Um, for a career fair and it was open to everybody right so normally these things sometimes they, they open it to a specific um, um program right so normally if McKinsey was coming maybe they open it to like the business admin or mm. marketing or things like that but now they said it was for everybody so I, I, I went for it and I learned about management consulting and what management consultants do and I just thought to myself this is like if there's anything that I was supposed to do in life it has to be this like <laughs> like there was nothing else that was better suited for me than this, right? So, I I decided that man, I would I would like to be a management consultant. And one of the babes that was like talking to us to, um, said, um, told us a story. She said that one day she was traveling and and while she was at the airport, her bag fell and like some things came out, like some things came out of her bag or something, and her complimentary card came out, and someone picked up the card and gave it to her. And the person looked at it and said, oh, you work at McKinsey. That's really cool. Um, something, something. Like, if you ever need a job, reach out to me, right? So I just thought, man, like, McKinsey was the place to be. There was no way I was going to be an engineer. Um, so after uni, I I went back to, I went to HESI Design. I went to SA because she was, she was, um, she was going to leave the country in a couple of weeks. So I just thought, man, let me go and see her before she leaves the country. Mm. Um, so I went to see her and we we're just talking and talking. And she she told me about um so she had been trying to hire someone to manage the business for her while she travels on maternity leave. Mm. And so I, I was I was just thinking and I just said, hmm, like I'm not seeing any new person here. Have you not hired someone yet? What's going on? And she said no more, she hasn't found anybody yet though, that she needs to that she's still searching for someone and then i said oh like what's like what kind of person are you looking for man like i'm just finishing from uni so i'm pretty sure i will know somebody that can fill in this role mm-hmm. and she says she doesn't just know me like that i should know the kind of person she would like i said ah, i mean <laughs> i need something more specific right and she said she now asked me what am i doing after uni like now that i'm done with uni what's my plan I said, and I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to join McKinsey, or like, like this, like this. <laughs> <laughs> like she should never stress herself with me. Or like me, I'm already sorted. That is McKinsey that, that I'm going to. And then she said, she was like, ah, uh-uh, that when is McKinsey supposed to start? I said, well, I'm supposed to start McKinsey in October, which like, <laughs> I have, I've not done any interview, no exam, nothing. But I said October I'm supposed to start. But she said that. Um, Okay, so from now to October, what will I be doing? I said, ah, like, I see on my bank business. I see her edges at the time that I was running. And mm. I'd like to focus on edges and stuff. And she said that, why can't I just come and work here for her and run edges at the same time, since it's mm. the same industry, basically? And mm. I was like, mm, you can't pay me. You're like, <laughs> don't stress yourself. I'm, I'm high value. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, I mean, yeah. I... you have such money. <laughs> Do you understand? I've touched money. Like, ah, we went up collect contracts. It's okay. Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. Um, so I said, man, like, I don't think I can do it though because I wouldn't be able to pay me. And she said, okay, how much? And, I, and at that time, I don't know why. I just said 50,000 naira. 
right? Mm. And she was like, is that all? I said, wait, 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 let me go home. <laughs> let me go home, I got calculated, like transport and everything, and then I'll get back to you. So I get home and I do my calculations. I call my brother, I call my auntie, and I'm like, oh, this woman offered me a job. Um, this is what I'm thinking. She said I should find out, I should think about my salary and get back to her. My brother now, he's a finance guy working in the big yeah. company. He's like, ah, tell her, so I think he said, tell her 150k or something. I was like, ah, bro, I don't think this man can pay me 150k. Like, I mean, I thought, like, what would I be doing for her that she would pay me 150k first, first? So he said, okay, oh, yeah, how much do you want to tell her? I should tell her 100k. I was like, bro, he just said, okay, you know, well, calculate your transport and tell me. So I calculated my transport. It was like maybe like 20k or something in month or 25k or something like that. Yeah. And then he said, okay, I should tell her um, 100k. 100k makes sense. So I now reached out to her, told her 100k. She started laughing. She said, like, <laughs> she was like, you really think I can pay you 100k? Well, I said, <laughs> I don't know that okay, give me an offer now. I think she said she said sixty K. I think yeah, I think she said sixty K. I said ah like sixty K will not cover my transportation plus feeding and all that. That you know what, let's not give too much because we have a good relationship. Let's just meet in the middle and let her pay me eighty K. She said I think she said yes, or we move from eighty K. No, yes, she said yes. So she, so my salary now goes down eighty K. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I basically I basically resumed work like a, a week, the next week. Um oh the next week we have and ran i was running edits on the, on the side as well and doing her own business and like really really so running while i was running her business i really like i met some really cool people right and mm-hmm. you can imagine that the more i'm getting interested i'm getting i'm spending time in this industry and in business yeah. it means like my mind is i'm losing engineering like i'm yeah. taking my mind off engineering which was always happening i really, I really was taking my mind off engineering um, and my, my professor will be calling me at this time. My professor doesn't even know that I don't want to do engineering, doesn't even know about it by McKinsey Dream, right? Whenever he calls me and he's asking me about like my job, I usually, I usually tell him that, oh, that I have an interview with, like a consulting company. Now, he's an architect. If I tell him mm-hmm. consulting company, he will just assume mm-hmm. engineering consulting. <laughs> so he had zero clues. So, um, on the day of my, on the day of my interview for McKinsey. I told my brother, hey man, like McKinsey has called, has called me for an interview. I'm going for an interview. And she said, oh cool, like good luck with with that. Um, so I went for the interview. When I was done with the interview, I told my dad that ah, I think the, the interview was nice, so that the consulting company is nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Emphasizing on the fact that it's a consulting company, nothing else. <laughs> um, and that was really cool. Um, but then what happened was, um, in in October. In October, um, <clears throat> so what happened was in October, the result for McKinsey came out, right? On the, on the Tuesday, I can't, I can't forget. And they sent this really heartbreaking email to me that I didn't make it for, wow. like I didn't cross over. Man, at that wow. point, I'm telling you, I, my dreams were crushed. Like I thought I was never good. Like my head, I'm like, I can't be a successful business manager. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was just like... And I think it was because I thought like McKinsey would be my escape from engineering, right? Because I was really, really trying to escape engineering, right? So mm-hmm. I thought it would be my escape. So I thought, ah, it looks like I'm stuck in this company, in this bar making company or, yeah. or engineering, right? So I was like, I felt really, 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 really bad, right? And especially because I, I was I was very confident, like when I wrote the, the exam. So McKinsey would send you practice questions before your exam, right? And when I did the practice questions, I did really well. So I thought, man, ah, I'm McKinsey talents now, like, <laughs> they cannot see me and miss me, do you get? 
and well, well apparently they missed me and <laughs> and by by thursday nyc posting comes out right so nyc is like um youth service everyone has to go through after graduation right so yeah youth service and um, posting comes out and i was supposed to serve in lagos right i'd like i'd done everything possible to ensure that i was serving in lagos uh, when the portal was going to be open, I, I was at the cyber cafe by 4 a.m. to ensure that I'm taking Lagos in my state. Like, I was that dedicated. Do you get what I mean? Like, I was dedicated to serving Lagos. Because, like, I'm supposed to work in McKinsey. Now, you can't, you can't work in McKinsey. They post it to everybody. <laughs> right? So, I was planning my life really, really well, right? So, what happened was, in, 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 um, <clears throat> on Thursday, NYC posting comes out, and I get posted to Abuja man like that wow. week i was just so sad i was like what? like is it everything i planned is just like going left what's <laughs> happening right and and then my my so i called my parents and i'm like telling them i don't know what's going on like i go abuja and i'm not really happy about it that so my auntie says okay you no know like she'll just go first now that after after come back and redeploy and stuff so i decided okay cool i'll would, I would go to abuja and then i tell my boss that i'm going to abuja and she's like ah what happened now i thought you were so sure you were serving lagos <laughs> um but she said okay no while well, now she started saying that oh like it's cool that i'm even going to abuja like this i'll have more access to the leather industry in abuja i'll be able to like build my leather thing well in abuja and all that so mm-hmm. I, I i took it as the positive side of being in abuja mm-hmm. right so i left like i left lagos and, and moved to abuja for service yeah wow wow <laughs> can you imagine that so you had to leave everything behind everything and Eddie's at that time was where Eddie's at that time was in, was in lagos right so i was mm-hmm. selling i was still making backpacks and delivering to people in lagos right mm-hmm. so yeah that was that was what we we're doing <laughs> so now you moved to abuja because of nyc yeah so in abuja and one of the things that nyc does that they, they post you to a company yeah. where you get to work for like the year the entire yeah. year um how was that experience for you where did you get posted to hmm. so I, I got posted to giz right mm-hmm. and giz is a german um is a german organization so german agency for international development so think of think of usaid or ukaid any of them um, so yeah. like the german version right so while i was in camp I, I wanted to work in, I still wanted to be a consultant, to be honest, man. So I was really searching for Accenture, searching for Marquis in Abuja, searching for Philips mm-hmm. Consulting. I really did all I could do to ensure that I don't end up in engineering. Like I was trying my best, right? And one day I reached out to my cousin because I was living in Abuja and I said, man, I'm looking for a company where I'm going to serve and do pay me well. And he recommended GIZ that a friend of ours works there for a civil engineer. But he said that but that guy is chilling. <laughs> like, so when he said that guy is chilling, we are like, okay, it might not be that bad. So I, I check out GIZ and it doesn't, like, I don't get a lot of info. I couldn't really understand what they were doing. So, but I just said, okay, like my cousin said, he's chilling. I would apply. So one day in camp, somebody came out, um, like the camp coordinator or something came and said, oh, if you have somewhere you'd like to work, um, come and write it down and they will post you to that place, right? Um, so I wrote down GIZ and posting letter came out and I got GIZ. <laughs> um, I get to the office in GIZ and when I meet HR, right, I tell the HR guy that ah, this is me, they posted me here, 
the guy asked me for my CV. I give him my CV. He looks at it and I'm like, ah, civil engineering. Ah, ah, you even have a good result. Ah, cool, cool, cool. I'm even looking for civil engineers. And I tell him, ah, but boss, I don't want to do this engineering. <laughs> <laughs> like, those people have it like business, admin, like any business related stuff that you could put me. He said, no, ah, like, why can I, why would I be asking for that kind of thing that um, I have, I'm, I'm a civil engineer. I finished from Covenant. Like my results is good. So the head of the HR out there finished from Covenant as well. But he finished like he was a chemical engineer. He not even pointed out and said, ah, this Malga yourself is is a Covenant boy, um, chemical engineering. Me and Anton, I said, eh, hey, but he's doing HR now, so why can't he put me in business? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh but the guy was not having it, man. He not even lied to me and told me that I should not worry that the pay engineer is more here. Or I should never be doing that one. I said, okay, 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 no, Allah, like, as you said this one now, you won my heart. So, um, <clears throat> so I, 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 man, I, I just agreed and said, okay, cool, I would, I would um, do the engineering. So he takes me to the engineering, the en- engineering part. And my program was, the pro- was, it was called Resilience Program. So we're supporting um, communities in the Northeast. So Adamawa, Borno, so communities that were affected by insurgency. Right, mm. so we're helping them build, build hospitals, build them. What's it called? Health centers, boreholes, mm. schools, markets, and things like that. So I get to the company. I meet my boss, and my boss comes out with like his shirts, just like really casually worn, his trousers, his shoes. Mm. Like it was very, very, very casual. I was like, ah, ah, this is this is looking like a good vibe. And we start mm. talking, and the guy seemed like a really, really nice guy. We mm. bond over our love for like water engineering, basically. So when it comes to civil engineering, I, like I had more passion for water than any other part. So we kind of bonded mm. by that. And he and he offered me a job on this spot and said, "Man, like, he likes he like me to work here. When can I start?" And I said, "Ah, I can start the next week. What am I doing?" He said, "All right, cool. <laughs> so I should come. I should come and start." So I I I joined I joined GZ in I joined GZ, Yeah, so twenty eighteen, oh. I think. Yeah, twenty eighteen. And, and so Edis was still alive. How were you thinking about Edis when you got into? Now all of this we've not even got into a condo. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're getting there, but now you're you're in Abuja and Edis is still on your mind. How? how... All right, guys. I don't know if you've heard about a thousand ways to die. There happens to be one way that they missed out on, and that is building a startup in Africa specifically. Okay, now don't get me wrong, it can be quite rewarding when you see the success of Flutterwave, of Andela, of Paystack. You want to be like them, but it can be very, very hard. And one of the best hacks of actually building faster is doing it with a community of rockstars who are solving Africa's most challenging problems across multiple industries, right? Your challenges as a startup founder is not peculiar to you alone. There are about a thousand and one founders just like you navigating the same challenge or series of challenges that you are going through. You can do it faster when you're in a really good circle. And that's why I want to talk about Founders Cabal. Founders Cabal is building a virtual home for high-impact, ambitious founders. If you are like one of these founders that they have been able to get into their nest, I guess you should actually join Cabal. All you have to do is go to the link in my show notes, the show notes of this podcast, click on the link and apply and join the community. 
Now, I recommend that you join our community because I happen to be one of the startup advisors in our community. It's really rich, always active, and so much to learn. Now, when you get into the Founders Cabal, make sure you say hello to me. I'll be more than happy to wave back in the group. Cheers. What happened and why didn't you go ahead with everything? So, at the time... that's all you're doing now. Yeah. yeah, that's not what I'm doing now. Far <laughs> <laughs> from what I'm doing now. Um, so Edis was Edis was still running, partially, right? So before I left Lagos, um, I had a couple bags left, a couple backpacks left, right? So I moved, I came with them to Lagos to Abuja, and I sold them in Abuja. And I was trying to find a bag maker in Abuja, right? But I'm telling you, I I couldn't find good talent, like somebody to make good bags. I really couldn't find anybody. Um, so. I decided to pivot from bags to shoes to slippers actually to like um Birkenstock slippers. So I, I made that pivot, right? And I started making slippers and that that was moving pretty well. My my colleagues would buy, people would buy from the internet, that was still going. But I I still knew I needed more, like I needed to do more with it. It just did not make sense that it was like I my head I was like everybody anybody could do this. Mm-hmm. Right. So I still needed more. So like that question for what could this be, what could this be, what could this be, was still on my mind, right? I started thinking about back to the customization thing on how you could customize your sleepers and then we send it to you, right? Mm-hmm. And I tried to reach out to a couple tech bros to do how can we build it, bro? The price they were telling me, I just said, ah. <laughs> how much? How much? How much? I, one of one of the prices I can remember was four hundred k, and the guy was wow. telling me the four hundred k was just to is it to build the like the back end or something? It was really ridiculous. I was like, bro, so 400 k I'll never even get this thing to be working. I beg, I beg, I beg, I beg. I, I kept saying, man, like, do you know what I would do with 400 k If you give me 400 k are you kidding me? Like, so I, I just blanked. I really just blanked it. I just said, you know what? I'll focus on. I'll continue doing this, but it's still my dream to have this happen. Um, and then, and then, like 2018, 2019, 2020. Um, I traveled for work to Eula, right? So towards the end of 2019, I started doing this research into, I, was, I mean, I was, I, I was, I said anymore, basically, right? So I started looking into like redecorating the house and stuff like that. So I was done with service at this point. So I started looking into redecorating the house and I, I was curious to use other materials apart from wood to make furniture, right? And I started researching into using recycling plastic and just recycling um, mundane materials and turning them into furniture, right? And so I started doing this for 2019, continued doing it 2020. So 2020, I traveled to Mubi. This is like a really remote village in Adamawa. And man, if you're in Mubi, you can't do anything apart from work. Like <laughs> literally, you can't do anything apart from work. But luckily, we had internet. So I had a lot of um, free time and internet so that just like accelerated my research process basically and at that point i realized that plastic was cool but it would be really expensive to to start right mm-hmm. so i started now looking into using a different material which was cement right and also because i because i'm an engineer i have kind of prior knowledge of how cement works so um i started doing more research i started researching into using cement and I get back from Mubi in sometime in March. Sometime in March. And exactly a week later, they call for lockdown. 
like in Abuja and like the whole of Nigeria actually, they call for lockdown and we all go back into our homes, right? And at that point, the first week of lockdown, I'm excited about it. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> this is the first time I get to stay at home and not do anything. Man, I'm taking it. Like, <laughs> I really did not do anything. Like, I would wake up to work, I'll look at my laptop and be like, man, what do I have to do today? What's I'm done doing what I have to do, I'll close my laptop and I'm just, I'm just around. <laughs> I'm just around, right? So that continued for a week. Um, and it was cool. Like, I enjoyed it. But it didn't, it didn't look like the lockdown was not ending. So there's only so much relaxing you can do. Right? Mm-hmm. So I started, I, I picked up my laptop again, my drawing board again. After doing more more research into mm-hmm. into what I was working on. Yeah. So at that point, I, and I also realized that because people were at home, nobody was wearing slippers. Nobody was carrying back. So Edis mm-hmm. was not a very functional business. <laughs> <laughs> like, this was not a very functional business, right? So, I I decided to to pause on on that at the time and just kind of focus on researching this other thing that I was doing. And then, yeah, that was wow. that was, that was kind of the first pause or end of Edis. <laughs> mm. So now you are you are at home, and I think what lockdown did was it made people realize how much they do not like their homes, right? Mm. Because they had not been intentional about putting that place mm-hmm. in order because everybody mm-hmm. is doing out something outside. So I'm sure mm-hmm. you, you face something like that. Was that what influenced you to do what Taekwondo is doing now? Yes. So <clears throat> so I, I think I'm someone that pays attention a lot to what other people are doing. Mm. Right. Um, so I noticed that people weren't really happy at home because like you said, like they were they had never spent time at home before, right? Before you could you could leave your house eight o'clock in the morning, go to work, and come back eight p.m. in the night and just go to bed, right? You don't need your house. You don't need your house to look very very pretty because you're not spending time there. But now because we're forced to spend time at home, you needed your house to look pretty. You needed your house to have greenery. You needed your house to have like fun- functional furniture and stuff like that. So we decided that I decided that I was going to put more energy into. This, like the furniture stuff I was researching, right? Because I thought, man, people are home and then they need furniture. And then I noticed that there was a trend for a partic- for a table, right? Like um, that was like, the table that, the table that was trending on Twitter, right? Like mm-hmm. a work from home table, and it was like, inexpensive and it was, it was very pretty table, but it was made of wood. So I thought, okay, we can make a table as well as our first products, but let's not make it from wood. Let's make it from cement instead, right? Mm-hmm. And um and then <clears throat> like that like that would have been a better product to sell to people right so i decided to to kick off on that <clears throat> and then i reached out to to my friend um godson godson mm-hmm. that became that became my my first um my first co-founder so Boston and I were in uni together and we met in my final year and like our rooms were beside each other. So we had a couple of conversations before around business and he had said that, man, like if I'm, if I'm starting anything again, I should hit him up. Like, let's, let's do it together. So mm-hmm. when I was going to start this, I mean, we're still friends, like um, after uni, he lived in Abuja, so we're really close. So I hit him up and said, man, I'm thinking of this thing and this is what I'm working on. Would you like to come on board? And he said, yeah, bro. Like, <laughs> I'm in. I'm going to come on board. So, at this point, I already had a name for the company. 
So back to where people say I, I don't give the, the prettiest names. I think to correct them, I would say I don't give the prettiest first names. <laughs> so, so, um, so, um, I bring him on board and I tell him about the company I'm building called Afro Merchants. Mm. <laughs> and my guy is like, bro, I don't like that Afro Merchants name. <laughs> like, <laughs> my guy is like, I don't like this Afro Merchants name. But I said, bro, this is what it is, right? So the logic behind the name was that our goal was to sell African inspired furniture, right? Mm-hmm. Or it was, it was basically to preserve and tell African story and his nature. Right. Mm. So going beyond making a, making furniture with Ankara or Ashoki or things like that, but actually designing elements of of designing African elements, right, and African history into the mm. furniture, right. Mm. And I mean, I thought it was a brilliant idea. I thought the name was brilliant. Like I was like, ah, come on, bro. What can I tell you? Like this name. Like what could be what could be nicer than Afro Merchants? But I was like, oh, well, the name stays though. So I, 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 we started running the company, doing more research. He's setting up like structural um, for the company. I'm doing more research into the products. Um, but then I realized that I wanted the products to tell a story, right? Mm-hmm. And also know that I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of handling money and like handling finance. Like that was something I didn't like in Eddie's. That's something I, I also did not want to like focus on. So we have a mutual friend that was an accountant and also liked writing. So I said, bro, like, let's hit her up and let's see if she'd like to join what we're doing, right? So I hit her up and she's she's into the thing. She comes on board, back to the same problem. She doesn't like the name. Um, and I said, okay, that's your problem, but <laughs> this name would continue. <laughs> um, um, so then we're done with that. And then we like, this is uh, March, April. So this is like around April-ish, April, May. Um, and then we realized that we need someone to design this um, furniture, right? To kind of keep our costs low. So I bring up um, a family friend and say, and by, 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 by the way, all of us served together in camp. So we kind of all knew each other in camp, right? Mm-hmm. So I hit him up and I say, bro, I'm working on this thing. Well, would you like to join? And he's excited. And I said, let's do it. So back to the same problem. He doesn't like the name. So I, I'm really not, I'm really not having it. I'm telling you that this name is staying. <laughs> oh so I bring him on board and then he starts doing the design, right? And what and I'm doing a lot of research into the product and I'm trying to figure out how to make cement work. And I realized that cement is heavier. So I decided to focus on using plaster instead of cement um, to make furniture and that's significantly lighter. But what I'm not aware of is that plaster has a different um, works differently in terms of in terms as a material than cement, even though they look alike. Right. And that really, really like that takes me that would that really cost us a lot in terms of investment in the research and trial processes, right? Mm-hmm. We get our first artisan to make a mold for us and legs for our first products, right? <laughs> <laughs> a table and a flower pot. And we get the legs from this guy and we try it out. I tell me why these four legs are not the same. Like none of the legs are the same. <laughs> Like we put the table on, we we put the leg, and then the table is standing on just one leg. The other three legs are, are basically floating. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like, okay, that's not going to work. We bring it down, and then we like everybody disperses. So in the middle of the night, I wake up to test out the flower, the mold for the flower pot, and I mix the cement and pour the cement into the flower pot, and 
the cement just pours out like it just literally just pours out from the side of the of the flower pot and i'm i'm mad this is like two years i am going insane like and what of like what one thing about me is that my first reaction to a lot of things is really laughter so this thing's happening and i'm like i'm like i'm laughing right i'm really laughing and i'm sad but i'm laughing <laughs> So oh, the next morning we go back to meet him, we drop off the things with him, explain everything to him. He's like, oh no, we'll fix it, we'll fix it, we'll fix it. A few days later, we come back to him and they've demolished the shop. And my man is just sitting now in front of the shop like this with our things in front of him and other people's things in front of him. I could not even vex. I was just like, ah, sorry. Like I'm really, really feeling sorry for him because I don't even know what he's supposed to do next, right? So he said we should not worry that he has somewhere else he's gonna go work on the things, and then he would he'd hit us up once the things are ready. We said, okay, no, wahala. Luckily, he did not go stop. So we kept calling and keeping in touch. He eventually gave us the legs on the table. And the legs became okay. But the mold, he just never, he just never got the mold right. Like, till today, I think you see with the mold, he just never got it right. Um, but then we keep going at, at this thing. And then we realized that, and then so one, one random afternoon, right? I'm on my bed, I'm watching Django. Have you seen Django? No. Yeah, so I'm watching Django. Um, and it just hits me that yo, this Afrobechan's name. So Django is like is the movie about slavery, right? Mm. So it just hits me that yo, this Afrobechan's name is giving slave master vibes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, oh my god, that's was, so true. If I was so if I was if I owned the slave ship. That would be the name of my ship, Afrometans. Like, we sell Africans. Uh, we sell Africans. You get Africans are the best prices. You get. <laughs> so, I immediately hit up. By I go to the group and I say, "Okay, guys, I agree with you guys. Afrometans is going to go. Think of another name, right? And I'm also thinking about another name. So, um, along the line, I, I come up with. Um, Ikundo as a name. Now, Ikundo is an existing word already, right? Mm. Um, there's even a bank that's called Ikundo Microfinance Bank, right, in mm. Kalabar. But Ikundo means community, right? Mm. And what we're really trying to, what we're really trying to build when we got a better, a clearer sense of our vision mm. was to build a community of home lovers, right, mm. using African-inspired pieces. So, mm. Afro-Mecha, when I say Afro-Mecha, Ikundo was sounded like a nicer word. So I, I, I sent a, a bunch of names to the group and everybody um, liked Ikundo. And again, when I when I told them the meaning of the word, it became, it was like, man, on brand, like it has to be our name, right? So yeah. Ikundo was formed. <laughs> wow. Wow. So now, just just to give you guys, I, I went to Ikundo's, um, I'm saying Ikundo like it's somebody's name, but I went to Ikundo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in Abuja, and my god, that place is beautiful. It was even for like a, a paint event, yeah, paint like a paint, yeah, yeah paint, paint and plant event, and it was beautiful. You could tell that everybody there loved plants. I went home with my own plant as well. It was such <laughs> a very interesting experience, something I've never experienced before. The ambience, the the product in itself, selling plants that's something you see on the roadside for people who live in Abuja. By the highway, you see people stacking up stuff. But this guy decided to brand it in such a very beautiful way. So, 
obviously you guys are not doing furniture um now um yep. because um, you moved <laughs> yep. so now you're doing you're doing this plant so how would you describe someone how would you describe a condo to someone that has never interacted with your company and what do you guys do now should i should i give you now or like how how we've changed or how we've like yeah how you evolved yeah yeah so (laughs) so we started off a condo as a community of home lovers right african inspired furniture right so it was still our goal to make furniture but then i realized that furniture was going to be really expensive to set up furniture is naturally capital intensive right so that wasn't going to really work but then we 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 delivered our first so our first product was a flower pot right and my friend jane had hit me up in sometime in june to say that so sometime early in june that she to say that she wants to get um a gift for her friend right so she was hitting me up to get a bag not a pot because she didn't even know about a condo at the time Mm. So she like she wants to get a bag for her friend and put her for her friend's birthday, and I said no. Ah, why are you giving her a bag? This is COVID. She doesn't need a bag. Like I'm working on this new thing that I'm telling you is going to blow your mind. And she's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is the, this is my friend's birthday. I'm going to reach out to you a week before to follow up on that. And I said, ah, don't worry yourself. I got you. So. She she now buzzed me like a week before. And I'm telling you, this was this week before is when I'm realizing that plaster absorbs water and cement doesn't absorb water. So it doesn't really help that we're making flower pots. Anyway, <laughs> this is a week to where we're supposed to live. So she hits me up and says, Man, I'm just sitting here for this. So I'm going to send her address, give me my total bill and all that. So I send it to her. She sends me, this is her first customer. So she pays, right? Before the product is even ready, she has paid for it. Um and me, I'm here trying to figure out man, how do we solve this water problem in the pots. And I go back and forth, try to do more research, da 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 da. And then we finally, I finally solve solve like solve the problem with the water. And I take this um, pot and plant and a care card, mm. and I take it and the bags back to my love for suede. So the bags, our carrier bags, then were designed in suede, not paper. Yeah. Right, so I take it to her, to her friend, and I deliver it to her friend. And when her friend received it, the smile she had on her face, like it could light up a room. The smile was really like, wow. <laughs> I went to deliver wow. with, with my friends, and and they kept saying, "Bro, you need to go and take a picture of that." I didn't even remember like, I was supposed to do that. Like, I was so happy to see her react that way. That I was just enjoying the moment. And they're like, "Bro, you need to document it." And to today, I still go back to that picture, and I just smile, remembering wow. that. Right. So we delivered this plant to her, and she has a really beautiful smile. But at this point, we're still not a plant company. We keep, <laughs> I'm telling you, like we keep trying to be a furniture company, right? And but we already have, we only have pots. And when we started, we had put up some money initially as capital to start the company, right? And we were running out of money. So we're at this point we're maybe like sixty thousand naira left in the bank in our bank accounts with no products, with only flower pots and our products. So I told my guys that yo, we have to launch this company, even though it's just flower pots that we have. Let's launch and start making money because this money is not going to finish and we'll start looking for money again. Let's just start making money. So we start we start with flower pots. What happened was people started reaching out to us to buy flower to buy plants. Because of our flower pots, or to buy, mm. so or you have to buy plants because of our flower pots, or to buy flower pots because of our plants. We're not even sure which it was, but we noticed that people were always buying both of them, right? And back then, if you go to Twitter, 
and you ask, oh, I want to get a plant. I think even to you now, Shara, you ask, I want to get a plant, where can I get a plant? People would recommend the kundu to you, right? Wow. And, but when you recommend the kundu, when, you, when we see people recommend the kundu, we'll be fighting. Like, I remember <laughs> a lot of times, after, and like I'm telling my, my, my co-founder, bro, we're not a plant company. Like, these people should stop calling us a plant company because it was a mess. Like, building the plant company at that time, I mean, even to now, Shara, but it was, it was a mess. <laughs> <laughs> We would one of the first times we we did so we had I, I had this big dream of whatever we're starting had to be something that we can ship across Nigeria right so that everybody can kind of the market is larger so mm. we we shipped the first time we ever shipped plants to Lagos right the the, the customer received no my my co-founder was in Lagos one of them was in Lagos he received mm. the plants and he received the pots and the plants were just hanging like there was no soil. <laughs> like, <laughs> We don't know what happened. The plant was literally just hanging at on, at the top of the pot, and he sent me a picture, and we started laughing because it was it was hilarious. Like, what? How did that happen? Um. Anyway, we that happened, and then I I was like, bro, this is a mess. So I tell my my co-founder to go get a, to go get that same plant from Lagos and deliver it to the customer because she was getting it as a gift for her husband or her fiance or something. Mm. Um, so he goes looking for that same plant, and we got that plant in Abuja for 2k. Mm-hmm. My co founder now buzzes me and says, Bro, I'm seeing this plant here, but they are saying 25k last. I'm like, Bro, how do you be 25k? Is it two five? Like, what do you be 25k? He's like, Bro, look at that. He sends me a screenshot of the thing. So the price was 30k, and then he was trying to bargain, so they told him 25k. I'm like, Bro, like, take yourself and leave that store. Why are you sitting there? Why is this even a conversation? <laughs> And then he leaves, and then he goes somewhere else, and he says at another price. And he's like, bro, this one is 22. <sighs> I think we ended up buying that plant for, if not 22, it was 18K. I can't remember, but it was a ridiculous amount. Wow. And we bought the plant and sent it to the customer. Like, the amount we paid for that plant was more than the customer's entire order, <laughs> plus delivery. But we did it, right? So we've had that experience. We've had another experience of where we sent a plant to someone, and the thing got squashed entirely. Right before Valentine's Day, it was supposed to be a gift from her to her husband for Valentine, and that that happened. Right, so we've had these crazy experiences sending plants and just like delivering plants in Abuja and in Lagos. So we're clearly not having it, but like we can't call us a plant company. Like you want to kill us? <laughs> <laughs> like what's your plan? You want, you, want, you want to give us high blood pressure? Um, but then we we look at like we just kept seeing that the market wanted plants. I mean, like, that's what the market wanted, right? Mm. But then I now met up with um, um, two brothers, um, Chuba and Chine, and they run, they ran, um, or they still run a company, Akanka. And at the time, they were like a design company, and we had a conversation with them, and they were telling us, man, you guys are doing so great with this planting thing. And me, I'm telling you, that, bro, why not the plant company? This is what you're saying, man. Like, <laughs> And he's like, what do you mean? Like, ah, look at it now. Like, you say you're not a plant company, but look at what you're doing for plants. Like, people that say they're plant companies, they're not even putting this intention into plants as much as you are. And you're here saying you're not a plant company. I'm like, yeah, but like, was you not a plant company? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we have that conversation back and forth. And we're explaining the challenges behind it. And it's like, it's very optimistic. You meet any of them. Anybody that met Chuba Chino, they tell me they're like really optimistic people. So yeah, he's been really optimistic. And I'm be and like, I'm pissed. Like I'm like 
So I get back home and I'm thinking about it. I'm really, really looking at, at it now from the data point. It's not just like our own, mm-hmm. our own feelings towards things. And the data just pointed at us being a plant copy and being a successful one at that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then <clears throat> I'll be the successful one <clears throat> at that, right? And then we, so I just had a question on my team and asked them, man, like, what do you guys think? Should we pivot to becoming a plant company fully and all that? And I mean, we still had the back and forth of, man, this is very stressful, been trailer. Mm. But we decided that, you know what, let's, let's go for it, right? And we, and we made the pivot to becoming a plant company with a new vision of plants for everyone. So our goal mm. was to make it easy for everyone to own a plant, right? So we had that pivot and then along the line we we realized that to make to make that to achieve that vision we needed a strong community mm. right and as we learned more about the benefits of plants we knew that men like having plants in your house is beyond aesthetics we need plants in our house for so many other things right wellness productivity mm-hmm. creativity mm-hmm. and things like that mm-hmm. so our mission now changed like our vision or our company story basically changed right so now ekondo is a company that is promoting sustainable living and wellness through community so that's that's what our secondary is now wow wow <laughs> i mean the journey has been from leather to plants <laughs> right yeah from leather to furniture to plants that's crazy yep. so so where do you see where do you see a condo in the next five, ten years from now? In the next five to ten years, man. <sighs> I'll say in, in ten years, right? We want to make it easy for everyone to connect to nature, right? We want to make it possible that if you're in a restaurant, if you're going to church, you're going to the mosque, if you're going to if you're going to um, school, you're going to work, anywhere you're going to, that uh, you have access to nature, you have access to plants, right? Yeah. Um, if you're at home, like if you're in a remote village or like anywhere you are, right, you're able to order a plant and we deliver it to your doorstep, mm. right? And and we're able to grow our community to, we're able to grow our community all around all around um all around the world basically and even though we're focused on building for africa in africa the um we're still really really open to like when, now you're having a lot of migration happening so africans are moving to more to more countries out of africa right so we want to be able to connect with those africans and still connect them to their roots <laughs> for the gender mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have like any templates where you draw inspiration from like any company that is probably doing something similar to what you're doing here hmm. in Africa. Here in Nigeria? In Africa as a whole. Ha. Huh. In Africa. <laughs> okay. Honestly, okay. I, I, I would I wouldn't say I wouldn't say so. Um I think that there are bits and there are bits and pieces of running the company that we learn from other companies. Um okay. so when it comes to like employees and employee um like workplace culture we we kind of look at companies like paystack people that have good culture um but i wouldn't say there's any like there's any company where i was like mm, that would be a template for us to to draw i think what we're building is pretty unique and is is going to set the standard for companies actually from from what we're building so yeah wow 
part. <laughs> so, so what was the? Just give us the maybe the best testimonial from any of your customers that you. Hmm. You know what? I'm going to read it word for word. And the day I saw the <laughs> testimonial, I like, I kept smiling. I couldn't stop smiling. Wow. Yeah. So this is from Timmy B um, on Twitter on Instagram. She's called Quirky Terms. She posted mm. a story and she said, "Dear at Ekonde Life, mm. today I'm publicly, like always, letting people know that I love your business. At this mm. point, I'm an unofficial member of the team. The community mm. you have built." amazing service you provide and the soothing ambience you provide are some of the reasons i'm forever a customer you're doing an amazing job and i celebrate you 30 days of gratitude wow <laughs> that is such a big one <laughs> for a customer to say at this point i'm like i'm building this business with you <laughs> that is good stuff like so when when we see comments like that it had to stop you get like mm-hmm. it's really really hard to stop because it it means that the business is having mm-hmm. actual impact right mm-hmm. it's not just making money but it's impacting the lives of people and that's that's really important man like that's really really important so even on days where we know where we where we're not feeling very motivated or even mm-hmm. honestly some days where i'm not feeling very motivated i have I have a note where I put down comments, like good comments from customers and good feedback from customers. And wow. I just read it and just be like, hmm, like it means we're not, we're not, we're not wrong. We're not doing anything wrong. We're not in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. Right? We're, mm-hmm. we're making an impact in the lives of Africans. Mm. Wow. Wow. Okay. So let's take like a minute or two to just convince someone out there who is not yet convinced on why the person should get a plant or be bothered about having a plant in their house what is the benefit of having of getting a plant for yourself like what's the benefit hmm. um i'm going to i'm not going to talk about the scientific benefits of getting a plant, <laughs> but i'll talk about the psychological benefits of getting a plant right one thing or why you should get a real a natural plant and not an artificial plant actually let me let me use that <laughs> Um, how how have you felt, or how do you feel when you see something grow? How do you feel when you plant a seed and you see it sprout? Does it make you feel happy? Does it make you smile? Does it bring some joy to your heart? That's what plants do. If you keep a plant in your room and you take care of it, and in a very random day you just come and see that your plant has grown a new leaf or your plant has grown taller, it would make you smile. Like, undoubtedly, like, Without any doubt, you would have a smile on your face and it would boost your morale. For If not for any other thing, I would say you should get a plant just for that. Hmm. Wow. Wow. So, guys, you heard it from the founder and CEO of a condo. You should get a plant for yourself, honestly. And I recommend naming it. Name it. <laughs> what was the name it? Um, Freddy. Freddy. Yeah. I gave mine. Freddy. Freddy. Yeah. <laughs> How's Freddy doing? Yeah, he's fine. I I moved into a new position. I'm checking him. Doing better. He, yeah, he's a very strong guy. I mean, new plant every day, new leaf every day. Really strong guy. I want to reverse the question to you now, Cynthia. You yeah. You got your first plant from us like a month, almost a month ago. Yeah. What do you have to say? Like, why would you would you convince someone to get a plant? <laughs> <laughs> Let's turn nice. it upside down. <laughs> nice one. I mean, I, honestly, I think I will because mm. um, 
I'm, first of all, I'm a first child, right? Mm-hmm. So there's already, and I'm, I'm female. So there's already that tendency for me to want to nurture something, right? And just watch something blossom. Also, mm-hmm. I'm a founder, right? So <laughs> I have built a company from small to where it is today. So that same feeling of joy that I derive from just watching something blossom, watching something grow, and then being part of that process is the same mm-hmm. feeling. The way you wake up and like, oh, oh new leaf great okay let's position <laughs> you well okay do you need anything you know, mm-hmm. just that kind of care and attention and i think every human needs it except if you're a psychopath sorry but <laughs> i mean you should want to care for someone i mean yep. even if you don't have a bay yet you can start taking care of a plant at a plant. least right and that mm-hmm. would build like a, a a i think like a new um let's say traits characteristics and like values Mm-hmm. that I think can be replicated and applied into other areas of your life. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's, it's, it's really good. It's really yeah. good. It's, 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 I think, I like how you said you would, it would teach you, it would teach you things that you can apply to other aspects of your life because we have, so we, we help organizations um, organize team bonding sessions. And mm-hmm. one of the things we do during the team bonding sessions is something called lessons from nature. And we just take out a couple lessons from nature and just, explain how these lessons can be applied to your daily work. So things like mm-hmm. experimentation, things like gratitude, things like taking responsibility. Um, um, we just put those lessons together and try and, and like, just like um, tell you how you could apply it and just like share how you could apply it to your daily work and how we also apply it to our daily work as a company. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I, I like how you said you can transfer the lessons. <laughs> Wow. So for experimentation, what was yeah. the lesson from nature for experimentation? Honestly, for one is that don't stop trying, man. So you keep a plant somewhere. Like, you know how you said you moved your plant to another place, right? Yeah. So you, you had tried it somewhere and it didn't work, right? You decided to experiment mm. in another position. Mm. If that doesn't work, you experiment in another position. If that doesn't work, you experiment in another position, right? But then you find that once you find the position that works the thing will start thriving and that's the same thing with life man like if you're going if you're building a company you try different things if something doesn't work it doesn't mean you stop like you try another you try another thing you try a different method you try a different location you try a different team like you just try something else right until you find something that works and then when something works you you know that nothing works right because it will start growing it will start bearing fruits and that's the same thing nature teaches you (laughs) wow wow awesome (laughs) <laughs> That's how we received a startup story and a master class in one. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Uh, amazing. Thank you so much, Ephraim. It's been an amazing, amazing session. Incredible story. Um, tremendous journey. And I'm so happy that we got to do this. It happened to be that, you know, this version it was a bit more robust mm-hmm. than the first one. As mm-hmm. it is. And there's so many lessons, so many um interesting <clears throat> take homes yeah so mm-hmm. i'm happy i'm happy that we did this thank you so same much here. Here. Same here. thank you so much for for taking the time to run it again <laughs> oh my god all right then guys thank you all for right. being here i will see you on the next one all right so there you have it Thank you so much for listening up to this point. I'm really excited that you stayed all the way to this point where you're hearing my voice. But don't just keep this to yourself. Share with community, friends, family, startup founders that you know will really, really need this. 
and also send me a dm of how this has helped you or in what way you were blessed by it you can send me an email send me a vn i'll be really really excited to receive it all right there you have it i remain cynthia ichisum and this is startup stories with cynthia